welcome to the next edition of Head to Total, a podcast that pulls back the curtain on all things medical from the administrative side to the uh, you're working with your physician side. I'm Colleen Young. Uh, today, my guest is Dr. Steve Mendelson of Mendelson Kornblum Orthopedics Synergy Health Partners. Hey, Dr. Steve. Hello, Colleen. Thank you very much for having me on this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it because, you know, we've had some guests. We uh, have talked about orthopedics. We've tried to spell orthopedics. Uh, We asked about the European spelling versus the other spelling. Uh, Give us the real deal. What is the right spelling of orthopedics? Wow, what a great question. They do spell it differently over in uh, England. They spell it uh, O-R-T-H-O-P-A-E. D-I-C, and we don't have that E. And I think that there's something about the, uh, or something about their spelling in England. They just have to be different. They have to, you know, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, they've all got to be just different. And even the garbage collectors over there sound so intelligent compared to us lowly Americans. So it's the accent. It's the accent and the oh, knickers. I, the knickers. Yeah. I, I think it is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, well, I was looking forward to talking with you today for a multitude of reasons. Um, but what I really wanted to focus on is have the audience, those who don't know you, those who don't uh, know what your day-to-day is like, could you tell us a little bit about uh, who Dr. Steve Mendelson is? Well, Dr. Steve Mendelson's a lucky guy. I, uh, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, my father was just a great man, uh, a lot of fun. He was a guy who fixed everything and was... A very generous man, and I got to grow up in his household, and I wanted to be just like my father. So for me, I get to get up in the morning, uh, go to work. I have patients who have problems that we can fix, people who have uh, discomfort in their joints. Maybe they've hurt something playing sports. Uh, maybe years of, uh, of work, physical labor have taken the toll on the body. And in this year, 2022, we have just a lot of great options to help them. So it's a joy, whether we use medicine or therapy or injections uh, or surgery, we have a lot of tools in that toolbox to help people. And every day is fun because you come home fulfilled. You feel like you've made a difference. And every day we have that pleasure. Plus, to be honest, I'm grateful for the people that work with me. I have a wonderful, wonderful group of helpers and assistants and physician associates, uh, and even administrators that really are pushing and rowing in my direction. So I'm very fortunate. We talked to that one cat, that uh, Mitch Misiak, uh, a few podcasts ago. And, you know, one of the questions I asked him was, when it comes to orthopedics, a lot of people don't even understand really what that means. It's more than just bone. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Steve, but it's also the tendons, the muscles. It runs deeper than just bones. Well, they say beauty is skin deep, but ugliest to the bone. So what we do is take care of uh, everything between the skin and the bones. You know, we get help occasionally from our, our microsurgeons when we have to fix blood vessels or nerves. But if you tear a tendon, that's orthopedics. If you sprain something and injure a ligament, that's orthopedics. If you need a joint replaced, if you need a bone mended, if you need uh, any of those kinds of soft tissue things, that that's really us. You know, one of the things that I think is uh, very intimidating is it from the patient side, right? Like I, I always bring the patient perspective to the table because I really don't know anything. 
Um, so I, I asked the question of, I see Dr. Steve Mendelson that says orthopedic surgeon. I got to tell you, that's an intimidating title. I mean, if I come to see you, do I expect surgery? Can you pull back the curtain there? No? Most people who come to see me, uh, they want answers for their problems. They want to know, why is my shoulder hurting? They want a diagnosis, and we help get to that point. Sometimes that's half the battle. Once you have a diagnosis, uh, there's lots of treatment options. So many, if not most of our treatments uh, that I provide are things like doing an injection, things like using medications like anti-inflammatories or, or muscle relaxers. Uh, we use things like braces to help people who have uh, problematic uh, joints. We use things uh, like um, different kinds of modalities, stimulators, electrical treatments, ultrasound treatments. So many people can get better without having to have surgery um, that that's wonderful because, don't get me wrong, I'm a surgeon and I love the operating room, but you don't want to go there if you don't need to. See, I heard from your brother that they just come for the entertainment value. And the entertainment value of the Mendelssohn is, is why they really show up. And that's, you know, in all honesty, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you today, because I, I want you to talk to us a little bit about the connection between the doctor and the patient and how important that is and the connections that you have made and how you go about doing that. Because I think that's the first part of care. When you meet someone, anyone, you want to connect with them. And part of that is finding common interests. I have a particular fondness for history and languages. Um, it's Finding if about shared experiences, maybe uh, we uh, both happen to have interests in restoring cars. That's something I enjoy. Maybe you're a welder. I've done plumbing, a lot of plumbing. So you find something that you can talk to someone about, and you get you get good on your feet. It's a little bit like when you meet someone at a party. Are you going to be the person who's just quiet in the corner, or are you going to be someone who reaches out, shakes a person's hand, introduces yourself? and makes a perfect stranger feel welcome and make a connection. I happen to use a lot of humor. I love telling jokes. I got it from my father. Uh, culturally, the way we were brought up, humor was uh, a part of everything that we did. And I think it puts people at ease. I think it makes things more fun. And through all of that, you have to be able to let someone know that you care. You have to let them know that their problem is front and center and important. And some of the beginning conversation of meeting a patient is telling them who you are, personality-wise, intellect-wise, uh, and uh, how you are as just a concerned human. And that can take many forms. There are some people who are straighter than I am, and patients feel that they are caring and concerning doctors, and that's important. I happen to utilize a lot of humor, a lot of history, a lot of trying to make additional connections beyond uh, just the sole problem that they come into the office for. Many times that we discover new things. We learn about each other. Makes it, it makes it the fun part of life. I mean, for God's sakes, all of us spend so much time either in our own workplace or interacting with other workplaces. Uh, we might as well get along and have a good time together. I think too, you know, as from a patient perspective, when you walk into a room with a physician and that physician is at ease and can talk to you and have a conversation, really learn about you, that's when I know that you're invested in me. And then you're not just doing medicine for the sake of my insurance, right? You're, you're getting to know me and you're getting to know what could be good for me. 
when you walk in and, and you see a patient with a knee issue and you, you learn that that patient might be slightly overweight, might have a heart condition, what options are you offering patients like that? Well, I think there has to be a total whole approach to a patient. Some people have real social issues that can prevent them from doing things. They may not be able to afford all the kind of care uh, that's out there. You have to be cognizant of that. They may not have the time. You might have children. You might have work that interferes. I have a lot of patients who are taking care of you know, their parents that have become infirmed. So as you get to know someone, you have to know what are their, what are the distances they're willing to travel. And then you start talking about other options. You know, for people who have uh, excessive weight, we talk about weight loss. Weight loss is a great way to relieve pressure on the knees. Uh, that sometimes takes the form of things like Weight Watchers or medical weight loss. I've referred people along the way for bariatric surgery because that's a wonderful modality that can help uh, relieve the weight. And that makes a difference for the knees in addition to the rest of the body, the heart and the lungs. Uh, we talk about different kinds of options that may fit a person who might not be a great surgical candidate. Perhaps certain kinds of medicine uh, they're not uh, able to take. For instance, someone may have uh, had an ulcer in the past. Uh, they can't take Motrin or Advil. We might talk about other things like Toradol or even uh, Tylenol. There are some people for whom therapy, because they become very deconditioned. And if we take a person who is deconditioned and put them through a course of therapy, uh, many times their knees feel much better. There are other options, of course. We do have certain people who come in who maybe are uh, heavy or have other medical problems, and we think about also, sometimes doing surgery for them, even though it may be riskier, but we have a, a shared discussion about that. I like to bring in family members uh, in the modern era, not only telephones, but FaceTime and Zoom. It's, a, it's really a great way to bring that old-fashioned uh, village, which now is so spread out, together again. So you can have the input. I mean, you'd be amazed how many times you, you go interview or you talk with a guy who's a patient. And then you bring their wife in on the phone and you learn a world of new information. Uh, I've had instances where family members from, you know, other states, other countries come on the phone and suddenly you learn more about what that patient, uh, what their concerns are, what their problems are. But we have people who uh, come in the office, they act, you know, tough, nothing bothers them. But then you talk to their wife and you realize they're really suffering. They just, they need some way to be able to express that. So I think it's important to talk about all those options and bring in more people, not less. Geez, COVID kept us so separate, so separate. And if we're smart, we're going to use that technology to bring that whole broad, you know, non-nuclear family in. You hit on something with the options. I think, first of all, you know, like I said before, it, it, the title says surgeon, so you, you automatically go there and you you're feeling a little anxiety. You put me at ease with your personality and your knowledge. But, you know, one of the other things that we as patients do is we Google, right? So knee pain, I'm Googling that. What, what do I got going on there? Uh, you know, I come in to see you and I'm like, you know, Dr. Steve, my knee's hurt and I think it's this. And you're like, uh, let's talk about that. But what are some of the, the new options that are out there for patients with pain what, what's really going on in the industry today? What's new and exciting? I'm very excited about something called neuromodulation. 
So we have people who have painful knees, either from arthritis or perhaps a failed surgery. Maybe they have a medical problem. Maybe they have a comorbidity. And, and it could be many things. It could be diabetes that's not well controlled. It could be weight issues. It could be dialysis. And in the past, um, we had had a, a certain complement of options, uh, Tylenol, uh, lubricant injections, a brace therapy. When people have exhausted that, they're frustrated. And we didn't have great options. With neuromodulation, we're able to implant wires around the knee joint that touch on the nerves that supply the sensation to the, to the knee. And what we can do is, with in a special kinds of electrical pulses, we can turn off those nerves. So, yes, you may have arthritis, but you will feel substantially less pain. And the advantage there is, unlike a medicine which affects your whole body, this affects only the involved area. Unlike a surgery which involves incisions and has risks, and they're not small. When you have someone that has a, God forbid, a uh, an infection of a knee, that's a major thing. With these procedures that we're doing with neuromodulation or what we call stimulators, we don't have that kind of a risk profile. Um, it's a small procedure. It's uh, done through uh, tiny poke holes about the same as putting in an IV. Uh, people go home the same day and there's minimal to no rehab after that. So for those patients who are not great candidates, uh, peripheral nerve stimulators, which is a part of neuromodulation, oh, it's an incredibly exciting new area. Do you usually do that just on the knee? Or are there other areas of the body, Dr. Steve, that you do that neuromodulation? Well, neuromodulation is in a variety of areas of the body now. So, for instance, our neurosurgeons, persons who have seizures that are not well controlled, they're using electrical stimulation to stop those seizures. Uh, persons who have Parkinson's disease, we're using neuromodulation or those electrodes to correct that problem with Parkinson's or at least make it better. Uh, so there's being used in a variety of areas of the body. In orthopedics and podiatry, uh, we're using them for people who have uh, peripheral neuropathy. So if you have bad neuropathy in your feet and you're burning and it's uncomfortable, uh, we do a procedure uh, similar to a carpal tunnel of the foot where we release the nerve and we place these stimulators and people get tremendous relief. I focus a lot on knees, hips, and shoulders. I have patients who are not great candidates for the joint replacements that I love to do. I didn't have another option for them. Now I can offer them uh, stimulation, these implantable stimulators for their hips or their shoulders, in addition to the knees, and uh, you know, give them something uh, to help with that pain and discomfort. Is it implanted? Like, what's implanted under the skin, and how do I do? Is this something I adjust? You know, what happens when I leave Dr. Steve? Well, typically, someone will come in and we'll talk about neurostimulation. We'll see if you're the right candidate. So. For instance, if you have a pacemaker, you can't have neurostimulation because that electrical impulse could affect your pacemaker. If you have a, a special kind of a, of a CPAP uh, type machine, CPAPs are fine, but they now do a surgery, the ear, nose, and throat people, where they will implant a special breathing stimulator. Well, you can't have a knee stimulator if you have one of those for your breathing. But if you're a good candidate, we set you up for a trial. And a trial typically involves coming to a uh, surgical center. Uh, we then place these uh, electrodes. Uh, they come out of the skin like a porcupine. And in the recovery room, we will connect up our little electrical stimulators and test those for about 20 minutes. 
see how you do. We wrap you up with those wires, send you home, bring you back two days later to the office and connect the stimulator again. Because on that second day, you're not going to have any kind of uh, confusion variable. You won't have, oh, maybe some pain from the procedure or maybe some carryover effect from anesthesia. Two days later, you don't have any of that. So we trial that in the office, and then we take the wires out in the office. People do not feel that at all. And then we see if you got good relief. And about 80 to 85% of people will have good relief. 15% will not. And if you are not one of those persons, we don't proceed with anything further. If you are, we proceed to a permanent implant, which involves going to the operating room. And instead of having a wire come out of the skin, we have a small, very special uh, what's called a lead, which is a special kind of a wire that's spun around plastic about the thickness of a spaghetti. In fact, it moves like a wet piece of spaghetti. We implant that to the nerve and bury it under the skin. We put a couple of those in, and that takes us about 20 minutes to do that. Go home the same day. Those leads that are now under the skin, you don't see them. They are completely buried, completely buried. And when you need to stimulate and help with the pain, you have a little um, stimulator box that looks sort of like an AirPod case. And you put it on top of the area where those leads are buried under the skin, stimulates the nerves, prevents the pain. Or I should say helps significantly <coughs> with the pain. People may still feel a little bit, but you know we do have some people who've gone from maybe what they rate as 8 or 9 out of 10 pain down to a 1 out of 10 pain. The effect of this neuromodulation is fascinating. It blocks the nerve from transmitting, which is a good thing, but it also sends an electrical signal back to where the, let's call it the cell body or the, the cell warehouse lives, and it helps to deplete some of these neurotransmitters that are used for pain. So people can have a carryover effect, which means that if you stimulate for six hours, you may get 24 hours of pain relief before those neurotransmitters build back up. So People are not having to wear that little iPod case on their knee all the time because they get that carryover effect. And anecdotally, we see that the amount of time people have to use the stimulator seems to go down the longer they have the stimulator. Okay, so is this, you've, you've implanted this under my skin. My next question to you is what have you experienced with this cartilage or anything grow around it? Is there a hardening in that area? What we have is you may know people who've had an IV in for an extended period of time. Does the body uh, react to it? It's, a, it's an inert material. So there is a little bit of uh, fibrous tissue around it, but it doesn't cause an inflammatory reaction. It's not in the joint, so it is not mechanically obstructing or blocking a joint. And there are instances when we've had to take them out. Let's say a person's had one in for an extended period of time. Perhaps that it was in the knee. And they've had bariatric surgery. Several years have gone by. They're now ready for their knee replacement. There are instances when we can take those wires out uh, when we do the knee replacement. Although I have to tell you, it's interesting. I just did one where the patient wanted the wires left in so they could use the stimulator for their pain after their joint replacement. And I told them, you'd probably need it for about four to six weeks, and then you won't need it anymore. That's pretty cool because then you're not taking medicine, right? Some people have that where they just don't want to take anything. and. There's a solution. People used to take a tremendous amount of narcotics. I mean, we had an opioid epidemic, real epidemic, and especially for these non-surgical patients, especially for the ones 
you know, they're not great candidates because you put them under anesthesia and God forbid they can have a heart attack or they're high risk for infection. And so what option did you have? They would be on, you know, they'd be snowed on narcotics. And uh, as much as it can help with the pain early on, those narcotics have a lot of harmful effects. You have to take more and more of them to get the same amount of pain relief. They do bad things to your brain. They do bad things to your intestines. And so, yeah, being able to use these kinds of stimulators is a real um, benefit to people that doesn't require narcotics or opioids. You simply sit on the couch and you just put this little device on and for a couple hours and then you, you're, you could be good for 24. Well, actually, people wear them while they do stuff. It's You're not restricted to sitting. Oh, you're not. No, okay. you can sit. I mean, if you're watching a rerun of Seinfeld or, uh, you know, something like that or the sports. But, you know, the, this it, it's applied with an adhesive so you can wear it anywhere you'd like to go. Uh, you don't swim with it. You just would take it off when you go swimming, but you can put it right back on afterwards. From what I've heard, it's a small device, so you can. It doesn't limit you. You'll wear it under clothes. Nobody will even know. That's right. You wear it under clothing. People don't see it at all. Dr. Steve Mendelson, thank you so much for being here today and being a part of Head to Total. We learned a lot from you today about peripheral nerve stimulators, uh, what the procedure is like. And it's amazing that it's one of the few medical procedures, if not the only medical procedure uh, that you can try before you buy. You know, you have so much information to give us and, and our audience would truly appreciate, as would I, you coming back to talk about robotic hip replacement and, and where you're going with that. So if you would, we've got all that ground to cover. We hope you'll be back and see you again soon on Head to Total. Anytime. Bye-bye now.